Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avon Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. I'm really happy to share that throughout the months of December and January, I'm offering a special series called Bubble Bath Wisdom. Why Bubble Bath Wisdom? Well, bubble baths are my favorite way to unwind on winter evenings. And amidst the craziness of the holiday season, these talks offer the refreshing feminine wisdom you need to step away, turn in, and come home to yourself. So for 15 to 20 minutes, or the length of one delicious bubble bath, I'll share a clip of a talk I gave at one of my recent silent she retreats. 
Each of these talks highlights a different stage of our heroine's journey, and I offer it in celebration of the opening of my online immersion, The She School, a nine-month journey to soulful, sovereign womanhood. Now, I only open registration once a year in December and January, and this is the most in-depth and inspired program I lead. You can learn more at theshe-school.com. Now draw yourself a bath or shift into your favorite self-care mode, settle in, light a candle, and exhale. Welcome home. So this morning we started to look at the inner critic, the, the key players in our inner family who protects a lot of the other members and works in collaboration with some other members as well, works in collaboration with the perfectionist, with the pusher, David smiling. <laughs> With the judge, the controller. And a lot of these, when they're joined together, they create the inner patriarch. Just that conglomeration of forces that we've internalized of pushing, forcing, overriding our intuition, our bodily instincts, judging our femininity as being less than, judging aspects of ourselves, like women shouldn't be bossy. Not even bossy, but women shouldn't be assertive. If they're assertive, then they're bossy. So we've internalized this. And we can be really hard on ourselves, especially when we want to share our voices or share something that might rock the boat. And all of these form our defensive structure that protects and defends against outer insults without much education. This defensive structure has a very low level of education and it hasn't been on many meditation retreats, doesn't have its psychology degree. So it's functioning with very little resources and it's functioning very much like the lizards that we see running around, the reptilian brain, just firing out of the amygdala, the most ancient part of the brain that actually evolved out of reptiles, which just reacts reacts and oftentimes it's not working with the higher brain function of human beings the neocortex so meditation actually helps to create a relationship between the neocortex and the amygdala so that there can be some awareness of these just instinctual impulses and in a lot of ways we're working against our survival instinct of when very raw parts of ourselves feel threatened we want to flare up we want to react we either want to fight or we want to flee 
or we want to freeze. And each of us has one tendency. We either get aggressive or we just run away from it and escape or we numb out and we dissociate. Which is a common response in the animal kingdom when an animal, when they realize that maybe they're going to be eaten, they might just freeze and roll over and play dead. They might just freeze to trick the predator. But what happens afterwards is if they are, if they are able to trick the predator by freezing, immediately afterwards they shake. They vehemently shake. And they're shaking off all of that intense energy that just had to be frozen. But as human beings, even though we're smarter than these animals, we don't do that. When we freeze, for whatever reason, we don't have the instinct to shake off this, this intense adrenalized energy afterwards and that energy stays locked in the body system and creates a lot of stress creates a lot of illness and it just continues to get stronger as we grow older if we don't learn how to work it out so yesterday in our yesterday morning in our practice we did some shaking it's a good thing to do on a regular basis Especially if you've had a stressful day, if you've had a stressful encounter and there's a lot of intensity in your body, just like literally shake it out. So we have these different survival instincts and all of these are in place to, to save our lives. But here we are in 2015 and unless this is converted to Jurassic World, which I just saw that movie the other weekend. Don't bother watching it if you haven't already. It was, it was fun, but wouldn't watch it again. So we're not going to be eaten by a giant dinosaur or some creature that's going to come out of the ocean. There's very little threat to our lives on a daily basis. But that reptilian part of ourselves thinks that there is. You know, if someone sends us a mean email, if we get in a fight with a partner or a child, if we get a bad review about something, it can feel life-threatening. So these defense structures get stronger, like we talked about this morning, when we're, when we're taking risks or when we're in the public view. And so what this defensive structure is defending is our vulnerability. Vulnerability. 
and a lot of coming together as women to do women's work and a lot of coming on the spiritual path is about peeling away the armor so that this vulnerability can come through. And there's a relearning that to see that vulnerability is not a liability, it is our greatest strength, especially as women. It allows us to be nurturing. It allows us to feel the suffering of others and of the world and to respond to that call. Tara here is she who hears the cries of the world and responds. Mother Mary, tremendous, unconditional mercy, compassion. So we have to get in touch with that vulnerable core and be willing to expose ourselves to others. Not prematurely, not in a reckless way, in a really wise way, but it it takes feeling uncomfortable. It takes literally feeling like you're you are taking off armor and you're showing another human being something that maybe you thought was too shameful, too grotesque, too horrible to ever let anyone see. But you let another actually witness you in that. And that creates intimacy. That creates true intimacy and human connection. So as we get more aware of this defensive structure of the voice of the inner critic and potentially all of its other cohorts, perfectionist, pusher, so on and so forth, then we see that this is this whole army protecting this vulnerable child. And this whole army developed at a very young age, before the age of seven or eight, because they felt this child was just on its own. And seeing the, the defensive structure, learning from the environment very quickly, oh, if she says this, she's going to get in trouble. If she does this, She's going to make a fool of herself and just got their list, got their messages to protect this child from being embarrassed, from being punished. And so on and on, this defense structure gets bigger and bigger. The child stays the same age. And we start to go through great lengths to keep protecting this vulnerable child and then we just start assuming that those voices of faulty perfection is who we are. We forget that who we are is actually that vulnerable child. It's gotten lost under just all that armor. So we can tune into that vulnerable child just through our sensitivity. And as women, we're tremendously sensitive. 
to smells, to colors, to tastes, to sounds. And many of us have grown up in environments where that sensitivity hasn't been honored. It took me years and years and years to realize how ashamed I was because I am so sensitive. It's because I was shamed in my family for having sensitive digestion, for being a sensitive sleeper, for just being sensitive to my surroundings. I was taught that that was something wrong with me. Oh, Sarah, I roll. And it's been a practice. It continues to be a practice to honor. I have these needs for this body, this mind to function well. And this sensitivity is part of the gifts that I'm here to share with the world. So as a grown woman, how can I honor that? You know that sometimes the world labels that as high maintenance. That's a label for our sensitivity. So how can we tune into this sensitivity? How can we honor it? We don't need to be divas about it. Although there's some things that you might want to be a diva about. Ways that you know that you need to do things in order to show up well. And just own it. And especially as we move deeper into the heart of our retreat is to let let your sensitivity take up more space. To feel, really feel yourself taking a shower. Feel the sensations of the water hitting your skin, moving down your skin. Feel the texture of the sheets on your body. Really taste the food. Notice what your sensitivity is drawn to in the food line. Does, what does this part of yourself want? So a lot of what we're doing as, as we grow up over the rest of our lives is we're, we're learning to, to skillfully split our psyches into this mother-child dynamic. That part which has needs arising and that part which is lovingly holding space. There's one author and Buddhist psychologist, Mark Epstein, who wrote a book, um, The Trauma of Everyday Life. It's a really beautiful book. He was the first person that I heard speak about the fact that Buddha was very traumatized as a child. His mother died six months, six days after he was born. 
And then he grew up as a prince, Prince Siddhartha, with his father, very protected in this kingdom. And many of us know the story that one day he left the kingdom and he saw people suffering, people sick, people starving, and he resolved, I, I don't want to be sheltered from the world. I want to go out into the world and learn how to overcome the suffering. But his father kept him very sheltered because, as Mark Epstein points out in this book through his research, because he wanted to, after this deep, deep trauma of losing his mother, he wanted to keep him safe and protected from the world, from future trauma. And so the Buddha himself had this this deep rift in his heart, this, this lack of a mother figure. And a lot of what Buddhist meditation is, is actually reestablishing that relationship, that loving, aware presence that can be with whatever is arising in any moment, no matter what, that doesn't turn away, that isn't cold-hearted. It's not just looking you know, scientifically at something. There, there is a detachment, but there is a deep care. In Buddhist language, it's called maitri, or maitri, of, of loving kindness that holds everything. So this is what we're cultivating here. When we're sitting, it's, yes, meditation is... A masculine form throughout time it's mostly been practiced and taught by men in this day and age that's really changing but when we look at it in this light we see that there is a really beautiful feminine dimension to it of sacred motherhood this archetype that we as women, even if we're not biological mothers, that we are here to blossom into for ourselves, for one another, for the world. So as we move through our yin practice today, we're going to bring awareness to this. I'm going to speak a little bit more about it and we'll end with with a meditation as well to help us really feel this. And of course, on our path of incorporating this mother dimension in our psyches, it brings up a lot of our own wounds around perhaps we lost a parent when we were young, like the Buddha. Perhaps we have felt that we weren't a good parent. Perhaps we felt that whoever parented us wasn't a good parent, or we have mixed feelings about it. And we welcome all of that. It's part of, part of the healing journey.
this talk inspired you, I'd be so grateful if you would review this podcast on iTunes to help other women find it in the future. And if you're curious about how to live these teachings in your daily life, come on over and explore The She School at theshe-school.com. We're in session starting February 1st. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you.